0: You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you're joining us for another episode. I'd like to encourage you to come on in and stay a while, listen to what we have to say. If you are a first-time listener, I would encourage you to subscribe and download our content um, also, if you're a longtime listener and you haven't done that, I encourage you to do so so that you can get our episodes coming to your mobile device, that you can take them with you on the go wherever you may go. Also, I always want to encourage you to go over to our Facebook page, Bonfire Ministries Facebook page, and that's an opportunity where you can like and follow the organization. Uh, we post our videos there, um, our episodes are posted there, and you can uh, like and you can share those with folks around you. And then, as always, want to encourage you to please tell a friend about the Bonfire Podcast. Uh, we're looking to grow um, our listener base. want to have more people joining in and studying God's word. And so uh, please tell someone that you know That you're listening to the Bonfire Podcast and that you like it, and and I would encourage you just to take that a step further, and that you would maybe ask them to study with you, Uh, particularly now when we're going through uh, like a book of the Bible, like we are doing uh, right now in the series that we're in. That's a good opportunity for you to say, "Well, why don't you listen and I'll listen, and then we'll come together and we'll study and talk about what we we've learned and and what we've read uh, in and of ourselves." And and that's a great opportunity for uh, you as a believer, those of you who are Christians who are listening to disciple other people, which is really what we're called to do. So uh, again, encourage it. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell somebody about the Bonfire Podcast. Help us grow uh, the organization. That's the only way that we can do it is through word of mouth. Well, on today's episode, we will be continuing our study through the book of Philippians. And this uh, study is has been entitled Rejoice Always. And that's because one of the large themes of, of the, the book is about rejoicing, rejoicing no matter what the circumstance is. Um, and this is week five. And so we're going to be jumping in and, and moving into chapter three today. And I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to uh, the previous week's episode, that you go back and check those out. Uh, I think we've got two uh, episodes, dad for uh, chapter one and also two episodes mm. for chapter two. This will be our first one for chapter three. And so go back, catch all those episodes, And that'll get you up to speed with where we are uh, today, Dad. You know, I'm looking forward to jumping into our text today. Um, Paul has another great uh, set of wisdom for us today. And as I was studying and and preparing for the episode, I was trying to think about what was um, a word, a phrase, or something that would kind of uh, capture or summarize what we're going to be talking about today. And, you know, in my Bible, ahead of the scripture, it has. All for Christ. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that. And I was like, well, I see that, but that that doesn't quite fit at all for me. And so I was trying to come up with something. And the thing that I came up with is Christ only. Right. I think the scripture that we're going to be going through today should be under the heading Christ only. Right. And we're going to talk about that. You'll see that come up um, several times. So I just ask you to keep that in mind Christ only uh, in your mind as we go through the scripture. And so we're not going to delay. We're going to just jump right into our scripture today. We'll be in chapter three starting uh, here at verse 1, and we're going to just read a couple verses at a time, and then we'll, we'll dive in and talk about those. So, uh, Dad, let's look at verses uh, 1 through 3 together. It says, Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, be well, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Well, in these verses, uh, Paul kind of really opens up and he gives the theme for chapter three in that first verse there. He says, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in Christ. And we're going to see again that that's a theme uh, throughout this chapter. And again, uh, if you haven't paid attention, you hear that word rejoice again. And so again, that's an overall theme for the entire book uh, that we're going through here. Paul in verse uh, in verse one begins to say that hey I'm getting ready to tell you some things that I've said before I'm going to give you some guidance that I've I've, I've written to you before in previous letters and and that I've I've already discussed with you and he says but you know what I don't mind doing it. I don't mind writing and, and talking about the stuff that I've already told you because it's for your good. In fact, he said it's for your safety that I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say these things again uh, so that you may you may know it was for the benefit of the church. So Paul is he's concerned for the church, and so he admonishes the Philippian Christians to beware of, of three things or three times he says beware in verse 2. He says beware of dogs, he says beware of evil workers, and beware of the mutilation. But what is Paul? Uh, what exactly is Paul referring to here? And, you know, that is from the context. It becomes evident um, that Paul is, is referring to, and he's leveling these bold accusations at Judaizers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to go back and do some research on Judaizers and really understand what a Judaizer is. But a Judaizer was a group of Jewish men who claimed uh, that they believed in Jesus Christ, uh, but they taught that Gentile converts. Um, could only be saved or would not be saved unless they followed in the, the Jewish law, the law of Moses, and particularly in circumcision. And so th- there was this group, and they kind of followed Paul where he, wherever he had been, and they inserted themselves into the church, and they presented this kind of false teaching, false doctrine about um, circumcision.
1: You know, when I think about these Judaizers, they came in oftentimes after Paul left. And they came in, and when they proposed their way of thinking, they confused the church concerning the purity of salvation that Paul preached. And it stole their joy because it caused people to think, well, um, maybe there's more that I need to do uh, to be saved than just simply have faith turn from my sins and have faith and so you know if you're you're living on that type of thing that says i got to do i got to do i got to do you always wonder if you've done enough Mm -hmm. and and you can't be that joyful christian god wants you to be therefore he says rejoice always that's why he's letting them know i'm going to tell you something to remind you you've got reason to rejoice
0: yeah if you look at the the jewish law um, you know, it went beyond just the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, they right. had hundreds, it seemed, of, of rules and regulations mm-hmm. that they were to follow. And, you know, you were supposed to follow those to the T. And if you didn't do something exactly right, mm-hmm. well, then that meant that you fell short. And so um, there was a, a huge burden, I think you could say, in trying to attain righteousness through those works of, of the law. Right. And, and so once the gospel of Jesus came around, it was such a relief because it was, wait a minute, I, I don't have to do all these things. I just put my faith in my I trust there, and it was a burden that was taken off of them, and it, you, they were able to rejoice. Right. But then here came these false teachers, and they were just putting back into their mind this this you know thought that, yeah, it's Jesus plus, it's the gospel plus, and we're going to talk about anytime you do Jesus plus, it's never a good thing, right? And so uh, these Judaizers, uh, these were false teachers, and their their message that they pushed. Uh, was that faith in Christ was not sufficient um, if a person did not also keep the law. So Paul said, um, "Beware of these flesh promoters because they were saying you should do stuff out of your own flesh." He said, "Beware for their character," and he called them dogs. He said, "They're dogs." Right. And and so we're not talking about your your pet dog there. The term dog, and particularly in this time, um, a dog was was something that was looked down upon. It was something that was right. a mangy, you know, nasty uh, type animal. And so not your, your pet, pet that he's calling them there. Mm-hmm. He says, beware of their conduct and, and that they would be evildoers. And then beware of their creed and that they would be um, the ones who were into mutilation, um, which is also practicing a false circumcision.
1: You know, these dogs, uh, these Judaizers, they snapped at Paul's heels. They followed him from place to place, barking their false doctrines. They were troublemakers, carriers of a deadly infection. I read something cute a while back about a dog. A little boy had a dog he claimed was a purebred police dog. However, it was obvious his pet was just an ordinary mongrel dog. One day, a man questioned the boy's claim by saying, that dog just looks like an ordinary alley dog to me. The little boy replied, he works undercover. (laughs) (laughs) Well, these Judaizers These false teachers, you might say they worked undercover. They come under the guise of true religion, but they didn't have it. That's exactly right. And so this message of Christ
0: plus, grace plus, faith plus, this is a blatant false teaching of, of workspace salvation. That's what it is. Anytime that you add anything to God's grace, it immediately becomes workspace. Right. Um, and so the Bible is very clear that the true gospel message is Christ only. Right. And that's where we got that theme that I was talking to you about when we first started. In my mind, mm-hmm. I think Christ only. The Bible is clear there. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 mm-hmm. says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself, it is a gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. And that's one of my favorite scriptures there. Very clearly states that it's not about what you can do. It's not about what I can do. Right. It's all about what Christ did for us. And it's a gift of God. Salvation is that's right. nothing that we could do. You know, Dad, uh, when you mix, start mixing the principles of grace and works um, and start adding extra things to it it, it, it can be like adding extra unwanted ingredients to a medicine. And sometimes such addition will result in... Uh, a cure to medicine being changed into a poisonous mixture. Uh, let me give you an example here. And this is, since I'm a pharmacist, this is a good pharmacy illustration here for you. Uh, back in 1936, Franklin D. Roosevelt Jr., that's the president's son at the time, he became sick with a strep infection. And at the time, a uh, strep throat infection was uh, uh, critical uh, and in fact, many people died from that infection because at that time in 1936, we didn't have the treatments that we have today. Most of us today, if we get a strep throat infection, we go to the, the doctor, we get an antibiotic, and usually in, say, five to seven days, we're good to go. That was not at all the case uh, during that time. Many people died from strep throat. But Roosevelt Jr. was given a new drug. It was sulfanilamide. And his recovery was amazing. He quickly bounced back and he became healed from his condition. And this was groundbreaking at the time. Mm -hmm. And because of its publicity, the uh, demand for this drug was immediate. Everyone wanted to get it because it was a cure for, again, a disease that had killed many people. And so a pharmaceutical company in Tennessee, I won't give you their name because they're actually still around, decided that they could more easily uh, make this solution and and meet the demand by changing uh, one ingredient or adding one ingredient to it and forming it into a solution Uh, because originally it was a powder and a tablet form. And and to be pharmaceutically correct, they made an elixir. All they did, again, is just add one element. As a result, though, 61 people died before they could stop the product from being sold. The addition of just one element caused what had been a tremendous curative drug into being a poison. Mm. And so, so is true with the gospel of Jesus Christ. By taking away from or adding uh, to it just one thing, it can become a deadly poison and lose its curative quality. So Paul says, beware, mm. beware of those folks because it's dangerous mm. what they're doing to the gospel by adding more to it. Right. You know, next Paul uh, goes on and he claims in the next verses that he and the, the his believing readers, the, those of us who are reading, that we are the true circumcision, the true believers, and he based that on three things uh, that I saw here, Dad. He said that true believers, and and in contrast to these dogs, if you will, we worship God in the Spirit, we rejoice in Christ. And we have no confidence in the flesh. And so I want to kind of go back and talk about each one of those. And the first one he says is that we worship God in spirit. And this was to say a true believer, those who have a true circumcision, um, we don't rely on rituals. We don't rely on ceremonies. We don't rely on uh, step one, two, three processes to do our, our worship. And rather, true worship is a matter of spirit. It's not a matter of flesh. And so, Dad, as I was writing this, I got to thinking, and it concerns me uh, because you know, and many times we've become uh, so mechanical, even in today's uh, worship, Mm -hmm. we just seem to do the same thing, right? We we come, we sing three songs, we sing the first, second, third stanza, you know. Um, and, and we always do it the same, and, and it just feels so rigid. Mm-hmm. And, and um, worship in the Spirit of God isn't supposed to be that way. And so, you know, and, and I say Western church or church in America, I think sometimes we get very close to just going through the motions and making a worship mechanical. Mm-hmm. But that's not what a true believer is supposed to be about. We're supposed to worship in spirit. We're supposed right. to not be tied down to we got to do this, then this, then that. We just worship God, we praise God, and whatever happens, happens in that process
1: right. mm-hmm.
0: the uh, the second thing that he says here is that we are to rejoice in Christ now as I was looking at this um, you say well there's that word rejoice again mm-hmm. but the the actual word that was used here in the original text um, really meant boast or glory mm-hmm. and so as a true believer we give all the glory to Christ. Because we know it's nothing that we did. It's, nothing, it's not ourselves. It's not our works. It's not any of the things that we do, like these these dogs were saying, that we had to do all these things. Mm-hmm. We say, no, no, no. It's all Jesus. It's Christ only right. is, is what we give our glory to because there's nothing else. And then the third thing that he says here is that we give no confidence in the flesh. And so this no confidence in the flesh, again, we are aware that in and of ourselves, we are nothing and have no part of saving grace. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing that, that we can do to, to attain righteousness from God. It's all about what happened on the cross at Calvary right? and the, the grace and the mercy that comes from God. That's exactly right.
1: You know, the church at Philippi was just one of perhaps many churches that had to deal with these Judaizers that would come in after Paul left and confuse people and add To try to add to salvation. As a matter of fact, over in Galatians chapter 5 verse 4, Paul wrote to the church at Galatia and they were having a similar problem. And he said, You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. In other words, by by saying you've got to have the law and keep the law. You're falling away from the gospel of pure grace that we we get to heaven based on what Jesus did and Jesus did alone. We're falling away from that and we're returning to the law. And and that that was something other that would hurt the churches because you can't be saved by keeping the law. Paul knew that. He kept the law. We're going to find out. But that didn't get him to heaven. And so he wants to help these believers. I'll tell you what. There are folks today that in churches that uh, are adding things to salvation. Mm -hmm. And I think about even the Jehovah Witness. That is a cult, folks. And they believe that only 144,000 people are going to get to live with God in heaven. The best you can do if you're not part of that 144,000 is to be remembered by God and be raised up to live on a paradise earth. They get out and they work hard uh, for the purpose, perhaps, of being one of those 144,000. Yeah. Well, I would think since uh, 2,000 years, maybe that 144,000 I've filled up. Uh, <laughs> way I, I look at it, folks. Heaven is open to all that put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, we'll live on a paradise earth one day, but we're going to have access to the new Jerusalem heaven. Listen, you might be in a cult like that. Listen to what Paul is saying in these letters to the Philippians and Galatians. It's not by works, folks. It's only by grace is what Christ has done like you say it Christ alone.
0: That's that's right. That's right. And you know Dan I, as you were talking I was thinking about you know there may be listeners who were saying well you know we we don't talk about the law uh, in today's times. Uh we don't you know hear people saying that you you got to be circumcised and, and such like that was happening during the time when this text was being written. But you gave a good example of there's still people that are adding things to the gospel today. Right. Mm-hmm. And and you gave the I would say a more extreme example of Jehovah's Witness, but there's even inside more I'll, I'll say uh, the more normal mainstream Christian sect that people were adding things to it as well. Right. And right. you know, th- things like baptism. Baptism definitely is something that you should follow as a profession of your faith, but if you really say that your salvation is contingent on baptism, then that's adding something too. Uh, God's grace.
1: You know, oftentimes I witness to people, and I I will ask them. You know, do you know for certain that you have eternal life? You'll go to heaven when you die, and they'll say, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, um, you know, how do you know? When did you become a Christian?" Well, I was baptized. That's not the answer I'm wanting to hear. You know, yeah. it, you they associate becoming a Christian with baptism. Baptism, something you do after you become a Christian. Correct. You know, not to become a Christian. I mean, we there, we could have a whole and maybe we should doctrinal doctrine we'll talk dose, about baptism. baptism one day. Yeah. But anyway, you're exactly right, son. I see that all the time in people in churches. They're basing uh, the hope that they're going to go to heaven in something that they did. Yeah. And we'll look at that in a few moments, rituals.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And, and and I'll give a couple more examples. You know, I, Church attendance. Now, you're a pastor, and of course you want people to come to church, and people right. should. You should want to. But the number of services that you attend and, and how regular you are to attending a service does not equate to salvation. Right. And, and some people try to put that on there and say, well, I go to church three times a week, and so I'm saved. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or tithe. Give or, money. or tithe. Give money. That's right. Right. Um, and then this one may may get on some people, but you know even uh, folks that subscribe uh, to a certain translation of the Bible and that's that's the only one. Well, that's kind of odd. And if you're looking at anything else, then it's it's completely wrong. That's adding something else, something extra to it. Um, and so those are some more modern examples of what happens when people try to add things to uh, salvation. Again, it's anything that has to do with works. If you're not doing it the right way, then if someone's telling you that, then that, they're giving you basically a law-based answer, a works-based uh, solution and saying you must do X in order right. to to receive your your um, justification. Mm-hmm. But we know that, as you said, Dad, that that's, that's through faith, through Christ. And so uh, we'll get into this back onto our, our topic here, Dad. As we see in these verses, Paul makes a distinct contrast between two groups of people. He, he says we've got dogs and then we've got the true believers. Mm-hmm. And um, between those, he said that there are those who profess... Those are the professors, and then there are those who are actually the children of God. Those are the possessors, and that is the the distinction between uh, these uh, that represents the difference between those who are religious and those who are truly righteous uh, with God's righteousness, and so mm-hmm. he's setting up those two uh, different things there. Let's move on, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 6 now, and uh, we'll dive in here at this one. So starting at verse 4, it says, Uh, "'Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, "'if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, "'I more so, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, "'of the tribe of Benjamin, a Jew, or sorry, a Hebrew of Hebrew, "'concerning the law a Pharisee, concerning the zeal, um, "'persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, "'which is in the law, blameless.'" And so in these verses we see here, Paul decides he's going to confront head on uh, those who may still uh, want to put some some leaning there on or some confidence there on the acts of the flesh or the works of their flesh. And he said, if anyone can brag about their works, I can brag even more. Right. Because Paul was through and through the person who was following all of the, the regulations, all the laws, all the teachings mm-hmm. to the T and, and he gives four examples here that he cites. Um, he talks about rituals, and he talks about his relatives. He talks about his religious practices and then his righteous living. And so, Dad, let's walk our listeners through that. You got the first one there. Uh, talk about where he talks about the rituals.
1: Right. We are not saved by rituals. That's what Paul's saying. According to verse 5, Paul was circumcised on the eighth day. This means that he was born a Jew and was not a proselyte. Uh, People today still trust in rituals. You can take communion until you become great purple and still not be saved. You can be baptized. We talked about that a while ago until your skin looks like a prune and still not know the Savior. Baptism is a work of righteousness. It is not something we do to become a Christian. Now, Titus 3, 5 says... It is not a works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. If you're trusting in some ritual uh, to get to heaven, you're in big, big trouble. So Paul says we're not saved by rituals and and we're not saved by relatives. That's right.
0: So Paul goes on and he starts talking about his relatives. You know, Paul says he was of the stock of Israel. That means he was a true, full-blooded Jew. There was no uh, no mixed blood in in him. It said that he belonged to the tribe of Benjamin, and this tribe of Benjamin was a was a highly thought of a tribe. It was the source of the first king of Israel, um, who was Saul and guess what Paul's name was before he was changed? His name was Saul. He bared the name of the first king. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the tribe that remained loyal to David. All the other 10 tribes, they revolted against David. And this was the tribe from which with Judah formed the foundation of the restored nation after the captivities. And so the tribe of, of Benjamin was highly thought of and highly respected in Jewish culture because of, if you will, their purity. And he says not only that, he said he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, this was to say that he was the son of Hebrew parents who retained their Hebrew language and customs, in contrast to Hellenized Jews who read the Old Testament in the Greek language. Uh, Paul presents here his pedigree, and he he points uh, the point that he makes here is that even the most stellar pedigree will not merit entry into heaven. And so uh, Paul says it doesn't matter who your relatives are. Don't don't depend on who your parents are or or where you came from, because that's not going to get you to heaven. And then he goes on and he says, be careful because your religion won't get you there either.
1: That's exactly right. You know, some people today think that they will go to heaven because their parents were Christians. Over in John 8, 39, Jesus said to those who thought they would go to heaven because they were children of Abraham, he said... If you were of Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Abraham believed God's promises and acted upon them. Genesis fifteen six says, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted, meaning God accounted it to him for righteousness. Today, the true children of Abraham... Abraham, follow his example. Now, just because you grew up in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you an automobile or being in the kitchen makes you a biscuit. (laughs) You can't get to heaven on somebody else's coattails. I remember back many years ago when Ronald Reagan uh, became the president, there were a lot of people that were on the the Reagan uh, train, so to speak. The bandwagon. The bandwagon, so to speak. And, and they ran for their offices, you know, for Senate and Congress and even in the state. And it was said that they all got into their position by clinging to Reagan's coattails. Let me tell you something. You can't get to heaven by clinging on your mom and dad who are godly Christians' coattails. God's going to be judging you. And he's not going to judge you uh, based on what your parents did, but upon your own sin and upon whether or not you trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior yourself. So don't be trusting in the fact that you come from a godly family. You know, people from godly families can go to hell, too. You've got to have Jesus and Jesus only, like you talked about, man. That's exactly
0: right. Uh, So, Dad, talk about the, the religion. Paul said he was also a very religious person as well.
1: That's right. In the last part of verse 5, he said that a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee. Now, Paul was a Pharisee uh, before he became a Christian. The Pharisees were the strictest sect of the Jews and were the most zealous observers of the law. Now, Jesus looked beyond the surface and could see what was on the inside of a person. He could see the hypocrisy of these Pharisees in his day. But make no mistake about it, they nor the people of their day saw the Pharisees as hypocrites. They were sincerely religious. The average Pharisee fasted twice a week, prayed three times a day, believed the word of God, tithed, and was totally faithful to his wife and family. Even in our day, any church would be glad to have such a member. Probably make him a Sunday school teacher. In verse 6, Paul even writes of his pre-Christian life. He says in the first part of verse 6, concerning, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. This means Paul was so sincere about his religion that he persecuted people who he thought were heretics. Many people today think it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. However, sincerity is no substitute for believing the truth. If you go to your medicine cabinet take some medicine in the dark, that ends up being deadly poison. Even though you sincerely believe when you were taking it, it was the right medicine, you will be dead the next morning. Sincere religion is the most deadly thing in the world because the false assurance of religion causes a person not to see himself as a sinner, in need of a Savior. So we're not saved by rituals, relatives, and religion, or Matt, right living.
0: Yep, exactly. And so there at the end of verse six, it says, The righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And so, uh, Paul said that he he lived righteously and that he was blameless in terms of of the, the rules and the regulations. Now, we need to be careful here. This righteousness that he's referring to is not the righteousness of God that is imputed or credited to man by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instead, instead, this represents man's righteousness, which is oftentimes referred to as self-righteousness. You know, as a Pharisee, you mentioned, Dad, that he was part of this group of, of uh, high religious scholars, religious leaders, and uh, this group, they believed that they could attain righteousness by following the law to the T. You mentioned how many times that they uh, did uh, fasting and how much they they worshiped and sacrificed and all of these things. And if they followed all of these steps, the step one, step two, step three, and crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's, they believed that they could attain righteousness righteousness. However, uh, that is clearly not the case. This righteousness, which is based on self-effort and external obedience to rules and regulations, is unacceptable to God, and it can never bring a sinner into a right relationship with God. You know, Dad, I I heard it uh, said uh, reading one of the commentaries I was reading by Wearsbury, He put it this way. He said, like most religious people today, Paul had enough morality to keep him out of trouble but not enough righteousness to get him into heaven.
1: Yeah, I heard that a different way. That he had enough morality to keep him out of jail, but not enough righteousness to keep him out of hell. <laughs>
0: that's, that's exactly right. Exactly right. You know, Dad, as I was thinking about these four things that Paul was talking about here, and 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 I kind of went back in my mind to one of our previous episodes when we were talking about the coming king, and we were talking about the great white throne, throne judgment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we talked about what was going to happen there and that how all those would be uh, who were not in Christ were going to be judged. And I couldn't help but think that these four things are going to be a lot of the things that people are offering up at that moment. Right. When, when God looks at them and says, you know, why should I let you into my kingdom? What, you know, I, I have a feeling that people are going to say, well, you know, I, I took communion. I went to mass every single time. Every Saturday I went to mass religiously. I went there. I did that. And he's going to say, "No, I, I didn't know you." And then there's going to be others that are going to get up there and, and going to say, "Well, my, my dad, he's a preacher. My mom, she's a Sunday school teacher and an organist and a pianist and 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 that's not going to be good enough." He's going right. to say, "No, I, I didn't know you." And then there's going to be others that that are going to say, "You know, I I I did things in your name. I I, I went to church. Uh, you know, I, I, w- I even went on a mission trip." And he's going to say, "Yeah, uh, you you did things that you said were in my name, but I never knew you." You know, go away from me. And then the last, uh, you're going to have that group of people that just says, I'm a good person. You know, if you ask most people, are you a good person? Um, Most people will say, yeah, I'm a good person. And it's not until you begin to bring uh, the law into their vision and you start talking about, have you ever lied? Have you ever committed adultery? Have you ever stolen? That they begin to understand that, wait a minute, I'm not as good as I think I am. Right. And so I have a feeling a lot of people are going to stand there on judgment day and they're going to say, but I'm, but I'm a good person. I did a lot of good things. I, I volunteered. I, I gave money. I I worked in the soup kitchens and did all these things, but that's not going to be good enough. It's Christ only. Christ only.
1: That's exactly right. You know, talking about being a good person, I got an illustration here, Matt. Uh, I think perhaps most of you out there, podcast land, you've, you've eaten at a Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant before. I love that chicken. It's finger licking good. Well, the founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken is Colonel Harlan Sanders, in his autobiography, Colonel Sanders says that he was a God-fearing man as seen in the fact that in every venture he gave God a tenth of his profits. Yet he knew that if he died, God probably wouldn't take him to heaven. Worried about his spiritual life, Sanders said in his autobiography that he even traveled to a special church convention in Australia for the answer to his lack of peace, but he didn't find it. One day, Sanders said that as he was walking down the street in Louisville, Kentucky, he met Reverend Waylon Rogers of the Louisville Evangel Tabernacle, who invited him to some evangelistic services. Several days later, Sanders at the age of 79 said that he went to one of these evangelistic services and when he did he claimed the promise in Romans 10 9 that said if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved hey he he took God at his word what, in other words, he quit trusting in his own righteousness and he put his trust in, in Jesus and received his righteousness. Now, speaking of that night, Sanders said, when I walked out of church that, I, that night, I knew I was a different man. All my tithing and good deeds had never given me the sense of God's presence that I knew then. Until that night, Colonel Sanders had been stressed out concerning his relationship with God, and his stress was due to wrong thinking on his part, that salvation was a combination of Jesus and good works. But his stress ended that night when he put his faith in Jesus, and like you said, Jesus alone mm-hmm. to go to heaven. yep Christ only
0: Christ only Christ again. only. I, I see that theme coming up over and over again as we read these verses. Well, let's move on to look at our last section of scripture today. we're going to be looking at verses seven through eleven now. so let's read that together. If you got your Bible turn there, it says, but what things were gained to me, these things that I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not to have my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and that the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So and these verses of scripture, very popular verses uh, where he, he talks about everything that he gained was lost. Uh, I think mm-hmm. most people know probably verse seven there, uh, chapter three, verse seven is very, very notable here. And we have to think about it from this perspective, It at the, the time, the standard of the, the time and the place where Paul was, he had everything going for him. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were to equate Paul maybe to today, uh, Paul would be maybe like an athlete who's got a lot of money, big house, a beautiful family. Um, he had everything that that society wanted. Mm-hmm. Is And he outlined that for us where he talked about his religion, his righteousness, his family. Like, in that time, he had what everybody was striving for. Right. Um, and but he didn't count it as worth anything. In fact, he used the term rubbish, and that term rubbish actually means uh, like a bodily excrement. He, mm. he said it was trash, it was waste. It was nothing to him compared to that of Christ, right. And so Paul, in his in his journey to become a Christian, he lost his religion. He lost his reputation, but he gained a lot more than he lost. And he said really three things that he gained. The first, Was a knowledge of Christ, the second was the righteousness of Christ, and the third was the fellowship of Christ and we're going to go back and talk about each one of those uh, very quickly the first was knowledge of Christ he said that he gained the knowledge of Christ now Paul uh, being um, of a religious scholar type being a Pharisee being of the top he knew who Christ was right. and uh, no doubtably he was uh, you know as he was coming up and being uh, tooled in his schooling uh, he knew about this this Jesus and what mm-hmm. was going on there because obviously all the religious leaders were concerned about Jesus and what was happening and him pulling away people from their religion. Right. Right. And so he knew who Jesus Christ was. He had head knowledge of Jesus. And that's not what he's referring to here. This is referring to he wanted to 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 know Christ on a personal relationship, to have a, an individual relationship, a deeper relationship with him. Dad, you have some things that you that you draw it out about what he wanted to know about Christ.
1: That's right. You mentioned uh, about no meaning to have a more intimate knowledge. The word that Paul used for know speaks of having an intimate knowledge of someone. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, this same Greek word that Paul used is used in Genesis four one when it says Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. The word is also used in Matthew one twenty five, when it says that Joseph did not know her, meaning Mary till she had brought forth her firstborn son from both of these examples we can see that the greek word for know indicates the most intimate knowledge of another person paul's desire was not to just know about christ but to know him personally intimately and experientially Another interesting thing about the word translated know is its tense. It is used in the aorist tense. This refers to a knowledge that began at a point in the past, but has present implications. When you take all of this into consideration, what Paul is saying in chapter 3, verse 10, is that he wants to know Christ more than He knows him at the present. After 25 years as a Christian, Paul felt that he had only begun to get to know Christ. Getting to know a person well involves spending quality time with that person. If our goal is to know Christ better, we must spend time with him, listen to him, respond to him, and talk to him. As we do, our love for him will grow, and we will begin to be like him. We will begin to think as he thinks. Have that mind of Christ. Act as he acts. Say what he says. Then at last, the day will break, the shadows will flee away, and we will see him face to face. We will be with him and like him for all eternity. Paul's desire was to know the person of Christ and also to know the power of Christ's resurrection. Verse 10 that I might know the power of Christ's resurrection. When Paul says this, it should be remembered that he already knew the facts of Christ's resurrection. Paul went about preaching and was actually stoned on occasions because he affirmed that Jesus was alive. So what did Paul mean when he said that he wanted to know the power of Christ's resurrection? He wanted to realize this living Christ in himself. He wanted to know what it was to live in the newness of life here and now. That word power is translated from the Greek word that gives us our English word dynamite. This is great power. To know the power of his resurrection involves experiencing this power in your life, the power that overcomes evil and enables us to serve with excellence. Paul had an understanding that in the Christian, there is the old man, which is natural, the flesh. And the new man, which is spiritual, Paul wanted to realize in himself, the spiritual is over the natural. He wanted to feel the power of the spiritual man, of the new man that was in Christ. So he wanted to know the resurrection of power of Christ more and more. And that ought to be the same desire that you and I have.
0: So he gained the knowledge of Christ as you went through, Dad. Uh, And then the next is... Uh, He gained the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. And so looking at verse 9, it says, "...and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. And so he says, you know what? I gave up all of my religion. I gave up my reputation. I really gave up my pedigree, my my family tree, and and I gave it all. And in the process, I gained the righteousness of Christ because see, Paul had been, as we discussed, he had been pursuing righteousness as a Pharisee Mm -hmm. through all the different uh, rules and regulations. But even as righteous as he could become was still not righteous enough right. to be right with God. And so he said, I want, I want Christ's righteousness, the one that comes from God, the one that is the one and supreme righteousness that puts me uh, at even odds with God and that takes away all the things that I've done. And he says, that's what I'm gaining uh, when I lost my religion and I lost my reputation. The next thing that he says uh, is that he wanted to gain fellowship of Christ, fellowship of Christ. And in this term fellowship here, dad, you know, you say, well, that kind of sounds like maybe the first one where we talked about the the knowledge and he wanted to know Christ more. But if you look here, what he actually says is he says uh, the fellowship of his sufferings, okay, being conformed to his death. Basically what Paul was saying right here is that he wanted to serve and he wanted to sacrifice and he wanted to do all that he could just as Christ did. And we've already talked about in, in uh, Philippians earlier that he said to live as Christ and to die as gain. Paul wanted to, to put it all on the table. He wanted to uh, give everything that he had towards service to Christ and, and be a sacrifice uh, to that, that work. And through that came joy remember we talked about he was in jail as he's writing this and his 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 jailing and his potential prosecution before caesar uh, he saw that as a joyous time because he knew that something good could come of, of, of his suffering that would benefit the church, the church or the Christians here in Philippi, but also the church as a whole. We're benefiting even today uh, from the work of Paul. And so that is what he says, the fellowship of Christ. He wanted to fellowship with Christ and, and Christ's suffering and suffer as Christ did.
1: That's exactly right.
0: So, Dad, as as we get ready to wrap up here today um, and this scripture, a couple things I want to kind of bring us back around to. Um, One, I think our our points for Christians who are listening is that, uh, you know, dear Christian, if you're listening to this, you need to take satisfaction and you need to take Paul's direction here and rejoice in Christ because your hope, your salvation, your everything is Christ only. Um, that's where it lives, uh, is in Christ. There's nothing else you need to do. There's no check boxes you need to check. Um, there's definitely things that that you will do because of your uh, gratitude and your thankfulness for God. You're going to serve him. You want to do good works. You want to attend church. You want to tithe. But you're not doing that uh, to get saved. You're doing it because you are saved. Right. Um, is what I like to say. And so uh, take take satisfaction in that, that the Christian life is not a life of burden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can't think of the actual scripture reference, but it talks about, you know, uh, my my yoke is, is, is easy. My burden is light. Right. You know, uh, when you're with, with God, there there is no no hard uh, burden to carry because he's done all the work. Uh, you, you're you just taking advantage of the free gift that was given to you. You don't have to do anything else, but just put your faith and trust and, and do your best to live for him.
1: That's right. You know, we we're talking about the righteousness of Christ and how we need that. The scriptures talk about how his righteousness has been imputed to us. Yep. That word imputed means to put to your account. Yeah. Before I became a Christian, I had righteousness, but it was self-righteousness. And compared to that of God's, the righteousness you need to go to heaven, it was rubbish, like Paul said, filthy rags. It didn't account to anything. It didn't amount to anything. I was spiritually bankrupt. But when I turned to God and I asked God to forgive me of my sins based on what Jesus did for me. He imputed. He put Christ's righteousness to my account. So my account's not empty anymore, my spiritual bank account. It has been filled with the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And that's why I go to heaven, because I have been given his righteousness, and I'm no longer trusting in my own righteousness to get to heaven. I'm trusting in Christ's righteousness. There are some folks out there in podcast land that uh, you're all stressed out in regard to salvation because you've been thinking that I need to do, I need to add, I need to do more. Listen, you all the doing that you can do is not going to add to your salvation. Salvation's not attained by the doing and not attained by the doing. It's attained by the trusting in Jesus. And then after you trust him, as Matt, as Matt said, then you're going to want to do to serve God. It's yeah. going to be evident that you're a Christian.
0: Exactly. So that's our message to Christians. And then, uh, Dad, I think there's also a message to those who are, are not Christians, those who are lost. Um, so those for, for you who are lost, I'd encourage you to think back about what Paul said. Um, and he, he said that, you know, he had, um, he had relatives, he had religious practices, he had rituals, he had his good, righteous li- living, that he was a good person. But all of that uh, did not equal what was needed uh, to be right before God. And so uh, if you're listening and you're not a Christian, you haven't accepted uh, Christ uh, into your life and accepted what he did uh, for you on the cross. Um, I would encourage you to stop working, stop trying to attain uh, righteousness or good good works or anything that you're doing, um, and to understand that all that you have is rubbish. Um, and that you need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. um and that will get you a ticket uh, to eternal life. Exactly uh, and right. you'll get an opportunity to to be uh, with us, uh, living for eternity, and we'll be able to call your brother and sister in Christ. And so I just encourage you, if you're not a believer, to think hard about these verses. Again, Paul had everything that that he could want, and there in during that day, and there's many people uh, in our time, they've got all that they want in today's time, but it's not enough to get them into heaven if they don't have right. Jesus. Christ only
1: Christ only
0: yep, Christ only so well um, this has been a great episode today I've really enjoyed uh, our time studying uh, we'll be back again next week and we'll probably be finishing up uh, chapter three or at least going through uh, deeper into chapter three encourage you to listen encourage you to tell somebody about the podcast uh, study with somebody um, th- that's all the things that we ch- need you to do and so uh, dad pray us
1: out of here sure father in heaven we want to let you know we love you and we thank you lord for loving us God was so unworthy, but because Christ was worthy and he gave his life for us, we can put our trust in what he did and we can be forgiven of our sin. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to uh, to do. We have to receive and believe uh, to, to be saved. And Father, I pray those that are stressed out today that you'd help them to understand today that if they come to Jesus being willing to turn from their sin, just being willing to turn from their sin, acknowledging Him as their Lord and Savior. He'll forgive them before they do the first thing other than ask Jesus to forgive them. He will do for them and save them. And then He'll change their life, and their life will be different. I pray they'll make that decision to trust you today. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.